0: It's good to have you guys here today, each one of you, good to have you here. We are in this series called uh, Savoring the Season. This is week two of it, so this may be your first time, so we'll try to catch up as much as we can on it. Uh, my favorite definitions of savor I gave last week, one is to, to taste and enjoy fully, like to savor something, to savor the season would be to taste it and enjoy it fully, or very similarly to experience it and enjoy it fully, to experience something and enjoy it fully, now, I, I want to pause for a moment and acknowledge that while we're talking about enjoying the season, I am deeply aware that some of you are in a difficult season, maybe a season of grief, a season of loss, and um, and, and even the thought of savoring something seems impossible. And I would say to you that that it is possible to to deeply, authentically grieve, and yet at the same time see some goodness of God at the very same time. And be able to get at least a glimmer of hope and joy in saving from Him. And so if you're in one of those very difficult seasons, we'd love to walk with you. And and in the process of authentic grief, hope that you would see at least a glimmer of what there is to savor in God in the season. So we started last week by saying that that, uh, we're to savor God. In other words, to, to do what the psalmist said in Psalm 34, 8, what Mark already quoted. It says, taste and see that God is good. Taste and see God's good. Taste Him, enjoy Him fully. It, it, experience God in this season and enjoy Him completely. And I said there are at least there are three ways I suggested we might do that. I said one is by bookending our day with prayer. In other words, start the morning with some prayer time. And, and in prayer, think about who He is and what He's done and savor Him in that. And then end the day with some more prayer time, thinking about who He is and what He's done in your life and the lives of those around you. And savor that, deeply enjoy Him in that. And so we have this... Um, Savoring the Season journal that we have that uh, many of you took last week that many of us have found to be extremely helpful for these 22 days building to uh, Christmas Eve. And so, if you've missed one of these, grab one on the way out. But uh, but but how is that going for you? How's it going? Savoring Him in the morning by some prayer time in the morning. If if that's a new idea for you, maybe it's it's been hard to find a rhythm or the space, and maybe it's gone not so well. And I'd say don't be discouraged. Uh, Any new pattern, any any habit. Have it takes time in, so don't be discouraged. We still have a couple of weeks to to lean into that. Or maybe you've been doing it in the morning for a long time, and and the nighttime is new, and 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 maybe it hasn't gone quite like you had hoped it would. And I would again say, don't be discouraged. Uh, continue to lean in to bookending your day with prayer. Second thing I said is to, to walk in your sacred pathway or sacred pathways. It's, it's an old concept, but one that may have been new to you last week. If, if you missed last week, you can uh, pick up the message online, audio, video, all that. But, but a key thing to savoring God is to, to walk in your sacred pathway or pathways. And then finally I said what Mark had referenced is to soak in uh, every lyric of the Christmas carols. Soaking every lyric of those carols. If you've been around uh, for a while in the local area, you might know that KSBJ uh, 89.3, typically from Thanksgiving to Christmas Day, plays virtually all Christmas carols. And for a number of years, because I know the carols so well, and, you know, kind of blah, 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 I would turn away from find someplace else on the dial, but not lately. I was telling Marie I found myself, especially this year, I'm turning to KSBJ. 89.3, 89.3, and I'm hearing the carols all over again, and, and I find myself uh, hearing the story of Jesus and, and all that that means. I found myself savoring God, experiencing Him, and enjoying Him fully. So that's what we talked about last week, savoring God. Next week, we'll talk about savoring family and friends, and uh, if some of you are thinking... <laughs> You think I could savor? You don't know my family and friends. (laughs) And so what I would say to you is that you especially will want to come because the bigger focus of the whole thing will be about how to to experience uh, some who aren't perfect, which means they'd be just like us, how to experience some who aren't perfect, maybe even some that are difficult, how to experience them and still find some way to find joy in them. That'll be the biggest part of the teaching then, and so next week savoring family and friends, and then the final time will be Christmas Eve that Sunday and Monday, and it'll be savoring the story, the story that might have become way too familiar. You might be numb to. We'll have an experience It will be a fresh new savoring of that story then, enjoying God in that. So that's where we're going, and I would give you this passage that has set the framework of the series. In Matthew twenty-two. Jesus was asked by someone, which of all of the commands of God, all the commands of God, which one is most important? In other words, if, if it were you and I saying, there, God, there's so many, I, I'm not doing that well. If I could do one well, what would it be? This is what Jesus said. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That, that's, he said, that's what's most important. Love God. This is the first and greatest commandment. He doesn't stop there. He says, but there's a second that's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus said, if you and I can lean into and learn to love God with all that we are, and then to learn our neighbor, to love our neighbor as ourselves, he said, everything else will fall into place. All the other commands will come from doing that. Love God, love people. And so this series, if you look at it, it's based upon that. Uh, to savor God, to experience him and enjoy him completely. That's, that's a part of loving God. And the end of this series is going to be savoring the story. And reflecting upon Jesus coming, it's going to be to, to experience God and to, to enjoy him completely. And, and the next week is going to be all about the second commandment, about how to savor like really, really your family, your friends, <laughs> and mine too that to savor them, to experience them, and to enjoy them completely. It's based upon what Jesus says matters most. So those three things, savor God, savor friends and family, savor the story. Do you think that these are the three most important things God wants of you this season? Do you think the God of the universe, if you were to ask him, he would say, yeah, yeah, love me, love people, and wraps up pretty good in what we're Folks on say. Would you say that? And, and would you say that that's what you want most in the season? Above all else in this month, this season, that's what you want to do. Savor God, family and friends, the story. If you want to, I'll say this, then you must ruthlessly commit to these three. You must Ruthlessly commit to these three. I say that because there are things that, as you know, will pull all of us away, deeply pull all of us away. So you and I must learn the focus of this week is to learn to savor simplicity. Learn to savor simplicity. Because there there, there are two things I'll give you that keep us from savoring well. And you know them, you could stand up and probably guess what they are. Two things. One is this is overscheduling in the season. I've read a bunch of surveys lately and And uh, they all have a different exact number, but they average out to say that in America, six of every 10 persons says they're deeply stressed in the Christmas season because it's too busy. It's overscheduling. Six of 10 would say, my schedule, it caused me deep stress during the season. Probably among us, there are probably six out of 10 of us in the same area there. Overscheduling keeps us from savoring well. Last week I talked about how we can't savor when we're traveling at Mach 1. Mach 1 is the speed of sound. We cannot savor when we're traveling that fast. We need to slow. We need to stop some. Overscheduling will keep us from savoring. The second thing is overspending. Again, I've looked at a bunch of surveys, and again, if you average them all together, it says about, again, about 6 out of 10 of people in America are deeply stressed out about their spending and their money in Christmas season. Overspending and the stress that comes keeps us from saving well. So, So hear this next sentence. It may be the one thing you're here for. Hurry and stress are mortal enemies of savoring. Hurry and stress are mortal enemies of savoring. You and I, we won't savor well when we're dealing with hurry and with stress. And so, again, the focus of today is is savoring simplicity, of, of learning to create and then savor a calendar, a schedule, activities, that we can actually savor because of the pace of them and then savor what matters most, love God, love people. And then then I'll talk about about overspending as well. So let me start with the overscheduling part. I would say most of us in this room, apart from Christmas, we already have full lives. Apart from Christmas te- season, we already have lives that are full, hopefully, in a healthy way. But there's not a, there's not a bunch of margin. There's not a bu- much of space to add stuff to it in a healthy fashion, I would say. Now, there are a few exceptions in the room. Like You have a ton of spare time. If that's you, I would urge you be careful who you say that to. Because the rest of us are going to be really upset with you and really envious. And, and we might try to pile our stuff on you to make you busy. Especially if we're on staff, we might try to pile that on you. So if you're one of those folks, you have a bunch of spare time then be careful who you say it to. Most of us, our our lives are already full. They're already full. And and then we have these add-ons at Christmas time. and I'm sure this list isn't comprehensive, but we add on shopping to buy gifts for family and friends. We add on on wrapping the gifts that we give. Add on decorating, perhaps add on cooking. Add on parties and Christmas cards and travel and on and on and on. There are all these add-ons. And I would say all of those things, typically they're really good. Those add-ons, they are really good things. They're really good things. But I found myself thinking about something David would write in Psalm 39. Starting in verse 4, he says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. He's thinking about how quickly this life goes by. He's thinking about it. It gets compressed by the time you, you think it goes so quickly. And then he goes on and says, We're merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. And I found myself thinking of Christmas season and thinking of, USA 2018 and thinking about the Bay Area and it's so easy even with good things to find that all of our busy rushing ends in nothing because our busy rushing kept us from really savoring God and savoring family and friends and savoring the story so I've got a couple of solutions on overscheduling and uh, they're not rocket science. Uh, you could probably get up here and, and you may choose the same two solutions. But one is this, is to limit what you add. Limit what you add in the Christmas season. Again, none of the things I'm thinking of are bad things. They're all good things. But, but, but if you're going to have any space, like to savor what really matters most, then limit what you add. For example, you might decorate less than usual. And, and buy time and energy by decorating less a recent Christmas Eve, I showed a picture of one of our neighbor's outdoor lighting, and it had to be thousands and thousands of lights. And I was showing it to brag on because it was so beautiful, spectacular. We loved it. I, in fact, I went to my neighbor that season and I said, "Man, my family and I, we love this. What you've done. Could I have permission to show a picture to my church? I want them to see it." And he said, "Sure." And but but that's I don't know two, three, four years ago. It's interesting. This year, he's put up about half as much. And I wonder if he's found, you know what, all of that was good, it wasn't bad, but it took me away from what matters most. I, I don't know. But maybe he, he sat back and thought, hey, that's really cool, but, but I'm actually giving up what matters more. Right? Really, this loving God, loving people, by doing that, he's cut back. One year in our family, um, we got to, uh, to Christmas Day. And so all the family had been there, and we'd done the gifts and all that stuff, and, and Marie poses a question to, to our family, and she says, how many of you noticed that the Christmas tree has no ornaments on it? And, and we thought, you're kidding me. And we all looked at it and said, whoa, it doesn't. <laughs> we hadn't realized that. And, and in fact, we thought, who took the ornaments off? But, but we had been, we'd been going through life at a pace, and we had, we had just, by default, the boys and I had chosen just not to put ornaments on. Why? I hope because there were better things we were focused on. Maybe for you, maybe you can do less by maybe decorating less. Maybe you limit by saying no to some parties or maybe no to all parties. Parties, most of them, I hope, are good. Parties are a good thing, but they're not the best thing, are they? Maybe it's to say no to some parties, maybe even all parties. Maybe, it, maybe it's to shop early because you avoid the Christmas crowds and the time it takes to buy gifts in Christmas crowds. Maybe you shop early, and early is a relative term, isn't it? So, for example, if you go shopping tomorrow, tomorrow is what day? The, the 10th? Well, that's early compared to shopping the 17th, isn't it? You're going to have less crowds, less chaos, less time. And, and that's, even that's early compared to the 24th, isn't it? So it's to shop early. In fact, if, if you're thinking I haven't bought a thing, you're, you're not too late to beat the worst crowds yet and save time. Or maybe it's what Marie's been teaching me for quite a while now is, is shop throughout the entire year. As the year unfolds, be thinking about people you want to buy for, think about their interests, what they want. When you see it, buy it. You avoid all the Christmas crowds. Shop early. Another thing perhaps is to, to cook simply or to buy food out. Cook simply or buy food out. There have been some years that Marie uh, cooked extravagant meals, and we loved that. They were good. There have been years she cooked very simply. We loved that. They were good. There have been a number of years we've bought food out and brought it in, and we've loved that. It's been good as well. Maybe for you, maybe it's to, to cut back on the time spent on cooking. Maybe it's not to send Christmas cards. And, and I say this with a caveat. Marie and I, we love Christmas cards. We've gotten some this year we love. Every single one, we treasure them, but... A long time ago, we had our second son, which meant we had four family birthdays right around Christmas. It was a breaking point for Marie. She was our Christmas card person. She reminds me often. I wasn't. She was the one that did that. It was a breaking point, and, and she began to think, you know, I, I would rather really love well by doing Christmas well and birthdays well and give up something else I love. Give up the Christmas cards. And I don't know about you, but Christmas cards are good, but are they the best thing? Uh, do they trump having the time, energy, space to savor God and savor family and friends and savor the story? And maybe, maybe you keep it because that's one way you savor family and friends. But but put it on the table. Put all these things on the table. Again, none of the things I've suggested are bad. It's just a, a case of they are not what matters most. You must ruthlessly be committed to, sa- to savoring God, savoring the story, savoring family and friends. So one solution over scheduling is to limit what you add, but you will add. The second is essential, it's it's holy subtraction from your everyday life. Holy subtraction from your everyday life. In two thousand three or four, Marie and I were at a conference, a small conference for pastors. We were talking to this counseling couple. The church was five or six years old and the church was growing and expanding and As the church expanded, my responsibilities expanded, and we were on overload mode, and we were processing that, and and they gave us this term, holy subtraction. And what they meant was, if if you look at your life, and, and you find there's a season you're at this healthy pace with everything, and you feel God wants you to add something to it, then if you simply add it, you'll be on overload, and God rarely wants that, and never for more than a brief season. And so, therefore, there's probably this holy subtraction that God wants. He's wanting you to add something. He wants you to stay healthy. He wants you to holy subtract something away. What will it be? So we've had those seasons in our life, and uh, some have been ministry-driven. where uh, There have been new ministries to launch and others for me to step away from. There have been personal things as well. There have been things for the church. But for you, it may mean holy subtraction in the season. What might it look like? It, it might be some subtraction from social media. I was looking at some data that's actually two years old now that said that the average American now spends two hours a day on social media. And, and that can be good time. But, but maybe your holy subtraction is to diminish that or maybe even completely fast from it through the season. To give you space. Like, to really savor God. Really savor the story. Really savor family and friends. I know student ministry earlier in the fall, they did... They did a complete fast from social media for some period of time, just to experience what they were missing at the pace of social media they were using. They did this complete fast for this, this brief season of time. Marie and I have a good friend who has been fasting from social media completely for three or four months now. She's told us she's been, she's been shocked at the experiences she's having with her kids, the presence that she has with them, the thoughtfulness she has with them, the pace she has with them. She's been shocked by this intimacy with God. She had no idea, in her case, how much the social media was keeping her from from the deepest relationship with God and with her kids. Now, I think the day it comes, she'll go back to social media. I know her intent is to do it with much more discipline and do it less. But maybe for you, maybe your holy subtraction in the season is to cut back, or maybe even completely fast from social media. Maybe for you, it's it's a holy subtraction of work. Maybe it's, it's the amount of hours you work. Maybe it's how late you stay. Maybe it's working shorter days to give you time and energy. Maybe it's taking vacation days now. Some of you, I know you're in a job where your work ramps up this season and you can't do that. I relate. I understand. I'm there with you. But for some of you in the room, you can do a holy subtraction around work. It may be the hours you spend or vacation you take. Holy subtraction, anything that will allow time and energy to better savor God, friends and family, and the story. Holy subtraction. Now, newsflash for you: you are not a victim of your calendar. You're not a victim of your calendar. If you're an adult, overscheduling at Christmas time doesn't happen without you allowing it. Can I say that again? If you're an adult, overscheduling at Christmas time doesn't happen unless you've allowed it to happen. A, a mentor of mine said this. He said, the thoughtful arrangement of your calendar is one of the holiest endeavors you can undertake. The thoughtful arrangement of your calendar is one of the holiest endeavors you can undertake. I thought about that. It sounded like an overstatement. How can that be one of the holiest endeavors? And then I began to look at it and realize that my life is the minutes and the hours and the days and the weeks. And what I do with my minutes and hours and days and weeks, that's what my life is. And if I truly... If I want to be so close to God and follow him with abandon, then, then how can I do it without it being this holy endeavor? I mean, how can I do it without it being this holy endeavor? And this season especially, I look at this and I think how right he is. It, it's this holy endeavor of looking at, at your calendar and mind this season and finding the way not to overschedule it so we can savor what really matters most. You have to ruthlessly commit to saving God Friends and family, in the story. So, so savor simplicity, friends, in your commitments. Savor simplicity around your commitments. Second thing is this: is is the overscheduling? I'm sorry, the overspending that uh, keeps us from saving well. The overspending. Again, six in ten Americans say I'm so stressed out because of that. The spending that I will speak about most is about gift giving, but it can be around decorations and food and parties and on and on and on. But but to uh, eliminate overspending, I talked with a friend earlier this week and he was telling me of a season in his life when Christmas would arrive, the season arrived, he would feel so much stress from the culture about the number of gifts and the expense of the gifts and, and the specific gifts he should give his kids if he was a good father and he didn't have money for them. And the whole season would be this stress-filled season, and then often buy them and then have to pay it all back. And he said season after season after season. And that's, that's not rare, is it? I mean, that, That's what the culture will drive us to unless we find a way not to overspend. So, so how do you determine what to spend? I'll give you some basics on that. The first is to spend within your means. Spend within your means. That means to avoid debt. Don't spend on Christmas if it means that you will go into debt or add debt by doing so. Proverbs 22.7, one of many scriptures that teach that. This one says, the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. In other words, you don't own all of your life anymore. Part of your life is owned by somebody else because you owe them. You owe them money, and to get the money, you probably have to work and spend hours of your life The borrower is servant to the lender. You could stretch and say the borrower is slave to the lender. Spend within your means. And and then I would say this as well. I was thinking back to the early years of marriage. And Christmas season would arrive and around the office, men would be talking about what they were buying their wife. and, And I would always hear the man who was buying the most expensive gift. And somehow all the other gifts, I wouldn't hear those. I would forget about those. And I would find myself guilt-ridden because I thought if, if he loves his wife that much, if he spends that much, then surely I should be doing the same thing. And I can't. I can't afford that. And, and so I usually would end up spending more than I should have just because this this guilt there. And so the piece about spending within your means is, is don't, don't compare yourself to others. And don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Look at, look at your means Look at those that you want to spend money on. Second is this. Is with children often less is better. With children often giving less is better. I know as parents we want to give kids everything they want. Or maybe more than that. Um, But actually what they usually need is usually something less than they want. So they learn to appreciate and value what they have. So all of their wants aren't met. When I had... Resign from the old business. Um, God's leading, resign, go to seminary, become a pastor. I'd actually resigned, and I think we were packing our home to move to Kentucky. And I was just thinking, having a conversation with God, and I said, You know, one thing I'm, I'm really going to regret, really going to miss, is we won't be able to give our sons what we plan to give them. And almost as though it were an audible voice, instantly I heard say, And they will be better off for it. I knew what God was saying because. Marie and I were aware, we had, we had a bunch of stuff, and, and we had money to spend, and we were well aware that you could give your kids too much, and we were trying to be mindful of that. Our intention was to be mindful and to spend what was healthy for them and good for them. Well, God was saying, hey, Rick, you would, you would try to, but you would err on the side of giving too much, and that's, that's not a problem anymore. I mean, they'll be better off for it. So now uh, decades have passed, and 25 years or so have passed, and now they're grown men well into their adult years. They, they both graduated from college in careers that paid really well. Both of them, when they got to a point of deciding to buy a home, both, each of them bought homes that were 40 or 50 years old and tiny, tiny, cheap, cheap homes. In fact, I found myself this weekend trying to think of if I'd ever seen anyone buy a home cheaper than what both of them bought. And I found myself realizing they're just they're content. They're just content. And I thought, thank you, God. Because I think, Marie, and I would have messed that one up. I'm not sure how that would have played. I think it would have played different. But by the grace of God, we, we, we didn't give them too much. And their lives are rich now because of that. So, so parents, just remember that with children, children of any age, often less is better. And then the amount of thought that goes into the gift is more important than the amount spent on the gift. The amount of thought that goes into the gift is more important than the amount spent on the gift. Marie asked me this weekend about uh, my favorite Christmas memories. And to my surprise, the first thing that came to mind wasn't a memory of a Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. It was, it was a memory of something that occurred about three weeks before Christmas a long time ago. And the memory was of, of a gift that Marie gave me. We'd been dating at that time about three months she was in Houston living with her parents. I was in College Station, and so we were dating from a distance, and I'd gone to see her, and she gave me a gift. She had spent almost no money on it, but it was, this, it was this gift. I've got a picture of it. It was just two little pieces of wood and had two tigers on it. One was a tiger jogging. One was a tiger lifting weights, and there was something in that, in that little amount of time. She knew something that I enjoyed. And she put time and energy and her creativity into making that for me. And now 43 years have passed. She asked me, what's your favorite Christmas memory? That's the first thing that comes to mind. And now if you've sat in my office, at the table in of my office with me, right behind you, you'll see those two tigers still there. They cost almost nothing, and yet they're, they're priceless to me. They're priceless. The thought is much more important than the amount of money spent. I I hesitate to tell you this because you you may think Marie's crazy, but she was here first service, and I said it, and you know, we're good. So uh, she's always wanted a goat. She's always wanted a live goat. She's always wanted one, and other than when we were virtually kids, we bought land, built a house a long, long time ago. She's wanted a goat, and I've told her, honey, you, you can't put them in the backyard. A bunch of neighborhoods, they won't even allow that, but she's wanted this goat for years, and so... A few years back, we we're having this big Christmas gathering and uh, celebrating, giving the gifts and all. The kids are there, extended family stuff there, and we're all done. So I thought, and and the kids say, "Hey, mom, we have another gift for you." And they took her outside, and they gave her a goat, a live goat. It, it was the worst nightmare. It was the worst Christmas memory I'd ever had. We we have this live goat, and then and then there was one word that came to mind, and. and I almost hate to say it to you because you'll think badly of me, cabrito. <laughs> if you've been in deep South Texas, there's this, there's this cuisine. It's, there's this tender young meat that's the cuisine that came to my mind. And, and then I made a mistake of telling Marie, hey, honey, cabrito. And she's, no, that's not his name. He's going to have a different name than that. And so it's, it's my nightmare. That how could they do it? I know she wanted it, but what about me? And then and then it turned into the best gift. You know why? Because they didn't buy the goat, they rented the goat for a day. <laughs> it's a perfect gift. And so we had the goat for a day. I forgot first service re- reminded me we actually kept him overnight. If you've been around a baby goat, <laughs> if you've been around a baby, they cry like little kids crying. And so we woke up two or three times during the night, and our bedroom's a long ways from the backyard, and we heard this baby crying. It scared me at first. It's the goat. But it's a goat, forget about it. And then about the third time, I realized the neighbors are going to call the police because there's some child abuse going on. And then we had the goat for a night, and then the goat went back home then. But, but she will never forget the goat. I won't either, but she'll never forget the goat because it was the thought. It didn't cost hardly any money. You can rent a goat for a day really cheap. <laughs> it was a thought because the thought means so much more than the amount of money spent. And then finally, budget in advance. Budget in advance, Or if you're like Marie and me, and you probably are, you'll spend too much because you want to, but you don't have it. Budget, we have a, the first of every year, we have a budget for all the gifts for the entire year, Christmas, birthdays, all budgeted out, and then the efforts to stay within that budget. Budget in advance. So, what matters most? Jesus said, love God with all of your heart and soul and mind loving with everything within you and then love people too, love them deeply and so you and I would then say this season of all seasons this season is about savoring God isn't it experiencing him going slow enough have enough energy enough resources left within you to to actually to experience him and enjoy him completely and you and I would say it's about savoring the story of all stories wouldn't we Hey, this is the one time the whole spotlight on this baby born in a manger, the one born who had existed from eternity past, co created the universe, to celebrate that experience, the goodness and the power and the gift of God, and enjoy Him completely. And you and I would say in this season, God would also say to experience family and friends, to really experience them, and to enjoy them deeply, to savor them. But we're at risk. Of all of our busy, rushing, ending in nothing. You and I are at risk for that. You and I will have to ruthlessly commit to savoring God and the story and family and friends. Hurry and stress, hurry and stress are the mortal enemies of savoring. So, friends, let's learn to savor simplicity in our commitments. How we use our time, savor simplicity in that. And savor simplicity in your spending. Now, if you and I do it well, if we get the part well with who we savor, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you won't be tired, maybe even exhausted at the end of the season. But if you do it well and you find yourself tired or exhausted, it'd be because you spent yourself savoring what matters most. I found a journal entry of Marie's from, I think it was seven Christmases ago, and she notated the time it was was Christmas Day. It was 11.55 p.m. I have five minutes left. And she wrote this, I wonder how many mothers are fighting the wonderful exhaustion felt at the tail end of a lovely Christmas Day, resisting the urge to take a shower and instead hold on to the final few moments of yet another blessed beyond words Christmas Day. Few days leave one so tired while so full of life. Few days are so rich as a family-filled Christmas Day, or you could insert friends-filled Christmas Day to savor them. And few days leave me speechless with such thanksgiving to our God. Savoring God, savoring the story. Friends, lean in. Savor what matters most. Father in heaven, Sweet, sweet season, Father, help us—not um, in all of our rushing to accomplish nothing. Help us to moderate and cut back on our busy rushing. Help us to really to savor the simplicity of of a calendar that's not too full. To savor the simplicity of spending that's wise within our means, Father. So that we might, we might, we might, each of us in this room might truly at another level savor what matters most. I pray this with excitement, anticipation, hope, and expectation. In Jesus' name, amen.